James Version, Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. This is what it says. Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word, I pray that our hearts would become, you scared the life out of me. <laughs> I almost screamed. Sorry about that. She, she fixed my leg. <laughs> I thought I was touched by an angel or something. <laughs> Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word, cause our hearts to become fertile soil to receive your word. Don't let this time pass us by. We are so close to the kingdom so often and we just don't know it. But cause us to know it today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 13, 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Yeah. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a good crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Yeah. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to start with a confession. This is part three of a series that I started without telling you I was starting it. It's a series on the parables of Jesus. This series will not be completely, it's going to be intermittent, meaning I'm not going to go straight through all 23 parables in 23 consecutive weeks. I'll take breaks and preach on other things. I might even do other series in the midst of it but I plan to preach on all 23 parables, hopefully by the end of next year. The first, seri the first uh, installment of the series was a few weeks ago, and the title of the sermon was, To Do, You've Got to Dig. Yeah. To Do, You've Got to Dig. And this came out of Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, Therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, yeah. he'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The winds blew, the rains came down, but the house did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The storms came, the rains came down, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, and he ends the Sermon on the Mount with a parable. Yeah. And then he gives us another parable in Matthew chapter 9. And now that we've gotten to Matthew chapter 13, he's going to give us a whole bunch of parables. Now the word parable in the Greek is parabole. 
In other words, parable. <laughs> it's a compound Greek term. Para means alongside. And bole means to throw or to cast. So what a parable does, a parable is a story that a speaker throws down alongside a reality or a truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to help you understand this reality or truth, but I can't describe it directly. So what I've got to do is throw something down alongside it yeah. so that you can see and understand the thing that I threw alongside it, and that will give you an idea of the reality that I'm trying to describe. Yeah. And the question is, what is the primary reality that Jesus is trying to describe in all of his parables? Not the Christian faith. Not the church. Not what we call Christianity because over and you know, by and large in our culture, when you talk about Christianity, you're talking about three things. Number one, you're talking about a set of rituals. And I know we like to think we're non-ritualistic. We're very ritualistic. Yeah. Come to church at 11 a.m. every Sunday, that's a ritual. Yeah. Have three to four songs before we move on with the service, that's a ritual. Yeah. You stand up during the songs, you sit down during the word, that's a ritual. Rituals are not bad. Yeah. They're just not everything. Yeah. So first and foremost, there are these Christian rituals. But then secondly, you've got these doctrines, mm. things that we believe what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the church, salvation, the end of the age. And then the third thing you have are these ethics. And the ethics are the rules, basically. What we are allowed to do and what we are allowed not to do. What we should do and what we should not do. What we should abstain from and what we should practice. And by and large, people see the Christian faith as a set of rituals and a set of doctrines and a set of ethics. But Jesus was not interested in leading people to a set of rituals, doctrines, or ethics. There was something different he was after. And that different thing that he was after is called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. So in Matthew 7, he makes the announcement, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Matthew 10, he makes the announcement that, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. And then he sends out his disciples in Matthew 10 and says, go everywhere and tell everybody the kingdom of heaven is near. So first he says, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he says, in order to enter it, you've got to do the will of my Father. And then he tells his disciples, now go tell everybody that the kingdom of heaven is near. And the question everybody's asking is, what is the kingdom of heaven? And so we get to Matthew 13, and what he's going to begin to say here is, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's going to throw down a whole series of parables next to this reality called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is inclusive of the rituals, the doctrines, and the ethics. The rituals, doctrines, and ethics are not wrong, but they're simply not the core. The core is the kingdom of heaven. And most people, a lot of people in the body of Christ adhere to the rituals, doctrines, and ethics, but there's nothing else. No living reality of the kingdom of heaven in their hearts. And Jesus says, if you just get the, the reality of the kingdom of heaven, everything else becomes easy. The kingdom of heaven. And what he's already done is made it clear 
that behind every word that he speaks is this intention. I want you to understand this reality, this all-important, all-encompassing reality that we call the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's going to give us this parable here at the beginning of Matthew chapter 13, but in order to understand the parable, you've got to understand the context. What happens in Matthew 12? Because what he says in this parable in Matthew 13, 3 through 9, is actually a response, a direct response to what he just went through. Matthew 12, it was a difficult chapter for Jesus. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, that was what, however long that Matthew 12 took, those weeks or those months, however long Matthew 12, it was, wasn't easy. He was embroiled in controversy the entire chapter. What happens at the beginning of Matthew 12 is he's walking through a field on the Sabbath and his disciples start picking heads of grain because they're hungry. And then the Pharisees see it and they're like, your disciples picked heads of grain on the Sabbath? That's unlawful. And so Jesus responds to that. He says, don't you remember when David and his men went into the tabernacle and ate the showbread that wasn't lawful for them to eat, but yet they remain righteous? The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Let's go, disciples. And it takes them out of there. And then the next thing that happens is he heals somebody on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are like, he heals on the Sabbath. Moses commanded a man to be stoned for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. This man breaks the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, you hypocrites. I mean, if your cow fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, wouldn't you pull him out? How much more this woman who's a daughter of Abraham, who's been crippled on the Sabbath her entire life, you don't think she's worthy of being pulled out on the Sabbath? He's just so sick of this controversy, but it gets worse. Because the next thing that happens is he's casting out a demon. And the Pharisees are like, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. And he's like, what? Y'all ain't making no sense. If I by Satan cast out Satan, then his kingdom is divided against itself and can't stand. No kingdom divided against itself can stand. How can Satan cast out Satan? Y'all ain't making no sense. But if I by the finger of God cast out demons among you, then the kingdom of God has come, come upon you. Take that man, I'm sick of these people. And then the next thing that happens is the Pharisees and Sadducees come to them, come to them together and they go, well, then show us a sign. If you're really from God, show us a sign. And he goes, you know what? A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign and you ain't getting no sign except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Chew on that. I know it don't make no sense to you because you're stiff-necked and rebellious, but chew on that. That's all you're going to get. And he leaves. <laughs> and then the chapter ends with his mother and brother showing up, they come to get him because they heard that, you know, some folks had come to them and be like, y'all better go get your boy because your boy is bugging. He's, he's out of control. They were like, let's go get our crazy brother Jesus. And they showed up and people were like, your mother and brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. And he knew why they were there. They, were, they came to get him. They came to take him home. Enough of this mess Messiah stuff. You done lost your mind. Let's take you home and we're going to you, you know, get you back on your feet. And Jesus says, my mother and brothers are those who do the will of my father. These are my mother and brothers. Points at his disciples. He doesn't even come outside to talk to them. He's done with, he's so sick and tired of all the controversy. All the controversy. All of the attacks against him. He's so sick and tired of it. And so... In the morning, he leaves the house in chapter 13, and he sits by the shore, and a great multitude comes. And he begins to tell 
a story to them that I call the story of the crazy farmer. Because if you really think about the parable of the, sto- of the sower, we call it the parable, a sower is really a farmer. I mean, who, who plants seeds? But this was the craziest farmer you ever heard of. Because what does a farmer do? A farmer first plows the ground and then scatters seed in the area where he's plowed. Or actually, in the ancient world, you would plow seed on a field and then you'd come behind it with the plow and turn the ground over so that the seed is now turned upside down and pushed under the ground. And then you would water it. This farmer, this crazy farmer, he throws seed everywhere. Jesus said the sower went out to sow and he was throwing seed everywhere on the pathway, in stony ground, in weeds. I mean, he, he goes into Starbucks. He's throwing seed in Starbucks. He's at Walmart on the aisles just throwing seed. He's at Target, wherever he's at school, just, throw, just walking through schoolyards, throwing seed. This is a crazy farmer who throws seeds everywhere even in places where he knows nothing's going to grow. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, my words are like seeds, and I I send them to everybody. Everybody gets a chance. None of y'all are going to be able to say when this is all over that I didn't get a chance. Nobody's going to be able to say, well, I, I didn't, I didn't, he didn't say anything to me. He didn't talk to me. No, 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 no. I spread, I cast my seed everywhere. Everywhere I go, I leave my seed. I'm spreading seed. I'm casting seeds and my seeds are my words. Jesus says, there's nothing wrong with my words. The only question is, what kind of soil are you? The determining factor for the outcome of the speaking of my words is the quality of the soil that receives them. And in the last chapter, if you remember with me, there was a bunch of people who didn't have any good soil to receive the words. And so all they did was scrutinize me and criticize me and, you know, accuse me of being theologically wrong and unbiblical. How are you going to accuse Jesus of being unbiblical? I was the word become flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. You can't accuse me of being unbiblical. I am the Bible. I am the living word of God. He says, what matters is the quality of your soil. You've got to give attention to the soil of your own heart. And the implication behind this word is that you have influence over the state of the soil of your own heart. And it's your responsibility to tend to the soil of your own heart. It's your responsibility to assess the soil of your own heart. Because if you don't get a hold of your soil... The very Lord of heaven could speak into your life and you'll completely miss it. You'll walk out with no change in your life. Not because there was anything wrong with the word, but because there was something wrong with the soil. 
What Jesus was saying is those Sadducees and those Pharisees and those teachers of the law that I had to contend with for the whole last chapter are no different from you. I gave them the same chance I gave you. I spoke the same word to them that I spoke to you. The only difference is that they don't understand the soil of their own hearts. And so he says, there's four different types of soil. The first soil is called the path. Now, the path is basically the street. You know, we call it the path. No, it's the street. Like, this is where the cars go. It's super hard soil. When he's talking about the path, he's talking about folks who ain't trying to hear. Just, I'm not trying to hear that. Just not trying to hear Jesus. Period. I'm not interested in hearing Jesus. (laughs) I don't care what you say about Jesus. I've already come into the church with preconceived notions of what I believe, and ain't nothing you say going to change it. I'm not trying to hear. don't, Don't try to confront me about the way of my life. I'm not trying to hear it. And Jesus explained it afterward and said, the path are those that hear the word, but they don't understand it. And the word understand literally means to comprehend it, which means they didn't get it at all. They didn't understand that the word that was being spoken to them actually offered them the key to the greatest treasure that they have ever longed for. They didn't understand that the word that was being spoken to them actually offered them the key to their own souls. They didn't understand it. They thought the word demanded something of them. They didn't realize that the word was trying to give something to them. You know, I had a discussion with my wife last week, and we got in like an argument. She was saying something to me, and I was arguing back, and and then suddenly something inside of me said, just be quiet and listen. And she said, I'm just trying to help you. Why are you arguing with me? What I'm saying is not for me, it's for you. Why are you arguing with me when I'm trying to help you? And it was a moment of ignorance that bordered on stupidity. Because when I thought about what she was actually saying, I was like, you're right. You are trying to help me. (laughs) I was like, my bad, my bad. I'll back up right now. Okay, help me. Help me. It's a change in the soil of my heart. I got to get the soil right. This could become a a message for marriages. Because too many husbands with pathway soil don't hear nothing your wife says. Because you don't understand it. I'm not going to say nothing about wives, because all of y'all perfectly understand your husbands. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, let the Lord deal with her. Just focus on me. <laughs> the pathway. Then you got stony ground. Stony ground, it, the, the soil is very shallow. There's a lot of rocks in the soil, and it springs up quick. It, it seems to bear fruit quick, but it's not bearing fruit. It's just a stem that shoots up, but the roots can't go down very deep. You know, you, these are people who, you know, they hear the word and they rejoice, and you think they got it, but as soon as a little bit of trouble comes, yeah. just a little bit, they fall away. Yeah. You've seen those stony ground people? Stony ground Christians where they get saved, or you think they got saved, they're so excited, hallelujah. Oh, amen. Oh, I just love Jesus. Glory. And it doesn't last 45 minutes. You see them a week later or a month later, and they totally forgot. 
Just a little bit of trouble, a little bit of hardship, and it killed. Third is the weed, the weedy ground. The weedy ground. This was weeds. What are the weeds? Now, the thing about the weedy ground is that the, the, the seed actually goes down deep into the soil. And the seed actually gets watered. But what happens is that the deceitfulness of riches, meaning the stuff that goes right in your life, the blessings that come to your life, choke out the seed so that it becomes unproductive. How many times have I seen folk whose faith was shipwrecked not by trouble, but by success? Not by hardship, but by blessing. That all of a sudden, God did something for you, and the next thing you know, you ain't got no time for him. And it's deceitful. It's the, the, the deceitfulness of riches. But then he says, there's good soil. And the good soil... Is those who hear the word, understand the word, apply the word to their lives, and they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. In other words, the good soil is what he already talked about in Matthew chapter 7. Those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice. You see, the breakdown happens when you try to put it into practice. The difference between the shallow soil and the deep soil yeah. is that those who have good soil not only hear the word and understand it, but immediately put it into practice. Which means that whenever you hear a word from God, whenever you hear the word of God preached, yeah. there's always something for you to go home and do. Yeah. The word of God always calls you to go home and do something different. Yeah. First, to think differently, but then to do differently. This is the meaning of repentance. That is, every time in every hearing of the word of God, God is calling me to repent and do something different. And unless I discern that thing that I'm to repent of and think differently about, and that thing that I'm going to go home and do differently, then the word becomes unproductive in my life. And why is Jesus giving this parable to the multitudes? Because there's none of the Pharisees or teachers of the law there. Because what he's saying to the multitude is the reason I scatter the word everywhere is because the types of soil are not divided geographically. It's not like if I go over here, there's good soil in this city. And if I go to this church, there's bad soil in this church. And this is a stony ground church. And, and this church over here is a weedy ground church. No, it's not like that. Jesus is literally saying in every crowd... Every time I speak, there's four types of people in the crowd. Every time I speak, four types of people. Even the words that I'm speaking to you right now, Jesus is saying to the crowd, even this parable that I'm giving to you right now is going to have four different effects. 
Because some of you are going to hear it with a very shallow hearing, and there's going to be no desire in you to go any deeper. And the fruit of the message will be no deeper than your amen. Because some folks say amen, and that's the extent of the fruit that that message had on their lives. That they just said amen. And then others of you are going to hear it and understand it, and it's going to go deeper. But you're going to go home, and you're going to be drowned by the tyranny of the urgent. And all of the responsibilities of the obligations that are the fruit of the blessings that I've placed in your life. See, we don't, we don't understand that so much of our trouble is actually the fruit of our blessings. I'm so tired because of all I got to do at the house. I got so much to do at the house because I got blessed with a house. (laughs) So tired because of all I got to do for my daughter because I got blessed with a daughter. So tired because of all I got to do for my job because I got blessed with a job. But sometimes we can allow those blessings to choke out our faith and to choke out our obedience. Jesus says, some of you are going to go home. You're going to say amen, but you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and all you're going to be able to think about is your to-do list. And you heard the proclamation of the kingdom, but you're not going to go home and live in it. But some of you here got good soil. You're going to hear this word. You're going to believe this word. You're going to meditate on this word. You're going to reflect on this word. And you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to do everything in your power to apply this word to everything that you do in your daily life. Doesn't mean you're going to get rid of your blessings. Doesn't mean you're going to come out of your trials. Because some of you are in a trial right now that you ain't coming out of for some time. And some of you got blessings and the Lord is not saying throw away all your blessings because your blessings are going to choke you out. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, learn to live in the kingdom in the midst of your trials. Learn to live in the kingdom in the midst of your blessings. Learn to live in the kingdom and learn to make the kingdom your number one priority. And this is why he already told his disciples at the end of Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. The fundamental skill of the believer in Jesus Christ is seeking the kingdom first and not allowing the cry for the kingdom to be choked out by either trouble or blessing. I'm going to end this message now because my mind is not working. We did this training yesterday and I did all the the preparation to do that training and, and my brain is kind of, it needs to defrag a little bit. But I believe that the message has gone forth today. I believe you heard it. And I believe that it'll bear fruit in your life if you go home and tend to your soil. Baby, you want to come? So will you just all stand with me? And I just want to pray for us. Will you just lift your hands like this? And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to assess your heart. So right now, Lord, we ask that you would help each one of us to lay before you our hearts. What kind of soil is my heart, Lord? 
as if the pathway soil where I just don't want to hear. I just don't care. I'm apathetic towards your kingdom or what you're saying. Or is my soil stony? Do you need to just help me to take the stones out of my soil? I don't know how. I don't know how, God. But I'm so worried about so many things. God, will you help take some stones out of my soil, out of my heart? God, sometimes taking the weeds out is such a hard work. Our backyard is hard enough, but our hearts, it's harder, Lord. It's choking my faith out. Father, we ask that in every one of us, Lord, this morning, that you would allow our awareness to join you and to truly recognize, God, the state of our soil. And I ask you, Lord, today, before we walk out of this sanctuary, God, will you, will you, God, remove some stuff out of our hearts and give us wisdom to live the kingdom, not just to hear about the kingdom, but make your kingdom our first priority. Give us wisdom how we could live your kingdom out on Mondays at work, God. On Tuesdays at school. On Wednesdays, God, at home when our children are loud and they're not listening. Or or our husbands are not home and we're lonely or, or our wives are going crazy. And God, even in those daily lives, Lord, teach us how to leave your kingdom out. But it all starts with today, Holy Spirit, where you come and you help us to see the state of our hearts. So each one of you ask, acknowledging, acknowledging and becoming aware is step number one. And that's the half the battle. And if you feel like I just don't care anymore I want to then we just ask the Lord God help me want your kingdom help me want your ways can you some of you I know you're there you're apathetic then pray that prayer if you have stones in your life you're going through some trials and you feel forsaken by God. You feel like God's not hearing you. God's not coming through. And maybe you're, you're more upset at God than yourself. I don't know. If you have some struggles and, and trials that's hard for you, to, will you just ask the Lord to remove some stones out of your heart? It's okay to become aware of that. So Holy Spirit, this morning, we open our hearts. You're the true farmer. We're just the soil. God, will you come tend our soil? And may our soil be pleasing in your sight. That we will receive, we will receive your word. That we would understand your word. And that we would value your word, treasure your word. And have wisdom, God to live that out.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. I just want to add one more thing, and then I want to release you. Sometimes, sometimes we unknowingly live with unawareness because we're too afraid to acknowledge the state of our hearts because we think that's displeasing to God. But as long as you're ignoring it, you're going to remain there. But the, half the battle is, no matter how tough your soil is, is acknowledging it. You know what? I just don't care. You know what? It's just too hard right now. You know what? I'm just so worried right now. You know what? I just want some other things more than God's kingdom. It's first step. First step is acknowledging it and living with the awareness with the state of your heart and then asking God for help. Not, your, not to be so disciplined to fix it yourself, but just becoming aware and say, this is where I am. Help me, God. And I promise you, I promise you, He does not condemn you. No matter what state your soil is at, He does not condemn you. Just acknowledge it, see it for what it is, and ask for help. Can you do that? That's your homework this week. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you become aware, acknowledge, so that you could ask rightly. Amen? You're going to do that? Amen. I'm going to do that. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you need any prayer, we have some intercessors here that are trained. So come, may we pray for you. Amen.